0: do let me know in the comments below. Um, Audio, visual, you should see Adam wandering around, you should see me seated in my studio. Um, We should be live streaming this on LinkedIn as well. Um, If you are on LinkedIn and you can hear me okay, please do let me know in the comments. I'm gonna quickly check my phone to see whether I'm live streaming okay there because I've totally lost confidence in my ability to do this properly. And uh, oh shit, I don't think I am live streaming, yes I am. Thank God um so yes uh, hello linkedin i'm pleased that i haven't screwed that up okay great we seem to be okay on crowdcast we seem to be okay on linkedin as well so good good okay quick um uh, thank you to our sponsors as always folks bring food live has been consistently sponsored every week and it will be to the end of this year and including into next as well um the community from the vendor side has been so important in helping uh, us keep these conversations going. So, uh, thank you to our sponsors, particularly this week. It is Greenhouse, um, the number one ranked ATS um, according to Brainfooders in 2021 survey. Um, I think they've got a good chance of being ranked the same in the 2023. Um, if you are looking for an enter- enterprise-grade software um, and you're looking to upgrade from, you know, some of the legacy stuff that you've inherited or that procurement is decided is a good idea that you use. Uh, greenhouse.com is a and has to be on your horizon. Go and check it out. Um get a demo. Um also spend some time on their higher site, uh sort of their higher segment on their website, because they're producing a lot of content upfront for free for TA professionals in order to get better at the job. So uh, thank you to Greenhouse and go check them out. Okay, um, let's get on with it. Um, We are with Adam Gordon, of course, who hopefully is now seated in a place with low ambient noise. Um, uh, Adam, uh, nice to see you. How are you doing?
1: I am very well. Thank you for having me. Um, I suspect there's probably some disco music in the background or whatever. Um, But that'll just add um, add to the experience for everybody, I would think.
0: There's also like sounds of children in the background, so presumably you're now in the kiddies pool. Um, oh, no. <laughs> so, so that's that's suboptimal. Um,
1: but there we go. No worries. I, mean, I think if you
0: no, if you toggle on and off with Mike, you should be all right. Um, anyway, um, great to see you, Adam. Um, I mean, I guess we just better get on with it. Um, in terms of, I don't know whether you had the time to read the newsletter at all last week, uh, and, but if you have, you know, why don't we talk about, talk about a few things there.
1: Yeah I have, <clears throat> so um, first thing is I was planning to read the article about the um, impact of the personality of the founder on the success of a startup um, but I didn't because I opened it up and the writing was far too small uh, and just like far too much writing and I can't really read so um, I didn't I didn't do that. I moved straight on to video which I like better and I looked at um, Jay Macintosh's um, Two minute video about the escape, the Halloween escape room, like riddle. So, this is quite interesting. You put it in, you put it in, you categorized it as recruitment marketing, I think. Recruitment marketing, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess it is. Um, What it reminded me of was I remember a smart company back in the, like, when I started in recruitment, probably late 90s, early 2000s. And they used to post adverts in the Glasgow Herald, and at the bottom of the advert they would go, "We're only looking for smart people to work at our company. If um, if you can work out how to get our attention, uh, then that's how you apply for the job." There was no email addresses, no phone numbers, no send your CV. Um, it was it was just, that was your task. So it kind of reminded me a little bit of a, a more modern version of that, yeah. getting people to getting people to you know complete a. Um complete some riddles, um do a do a task, make use of chat GPT, um, use some logical thinking, or you know, um but I, I I also did wonder about like who is this excluding from participating in it? Because I'm sure it's excluding some people, like people with brains that work in slightly different ways. Now the argument might be, well, yeah, well we only want people who can solve the riddle and can use their initiative and this and that and the next thing. I feel like that seems a little bit exclusive, and then the other thing is like i might be i might be a little bit i might be a, like not everybody's got access to all that stuff, so it's definitely exclusionary however, I thought it was quite clever and i overall i liked it.
0: Yeah, so so keep, to give people a bit of an idea what that is, I've just shared the Loom video on the the, the chat stream. There, do check it out. Um, it's just two minutes, um, but I thought just quite a clever use of ChatGBT and deployed really as a, as an advert, as a job ad for people who went through the puzzle. So in other words, um, the um, I think the founder of the business basically set a puzzle within in um, and uh, invited people to go and and uh, interrogate that. And the people that pass the puzzle basically would then be, you know, uh, directed towards a place where they can, you know, have uh, uh, in, and apply to a job or interact with someone who's actually managing that job. Um, and I thought it was a recruitment advert. I, I would describe that as a recruitment advert with a bit of assessment on the, on the front of it. Um, I thought it was quite clever. You're right about the ex, in exclusion, though. Um, but it leads to quite interesting philosophical question as to. The nature of assessment and of the nature of recruitment, which fundamentally is exclusionary, unless you're going down the open hiring route and you're saying, you know, anybody is welcome to do the job. Um, but if you are kind of saying we want a particular type of person we 've got this in mind, um, then presumably you are trying to d- d- deter as many people um, or, or as, um, as you are trying to invite so I think the way to solve that from a DNI perspective is to have that not as, as the only route in uh, so potentially you have other ways in which people can e- encounter a job opportunity there probably is something you, people can apply for or uh, sort of outside of that little um, sort of Avenue, um, and uh, you know there may be other ways to do it but it may just simply be an unsolvable problem because when you think about access um, you know not everyone's got a computer for instance not everyone has the internet even um, so at some point you know all of the stuff we're doing in terms of advertising is excluding uh, a component of the uh, potential audience um, so you know is that a practical problem that we're gonna solve or a philosophical one um, I just think in this case the guys not trying to solve the world's problems he just thought of a of clever idea to use um ai um and kind of advertise and assess at the same time which i thought was quite a clever and efficient way of using it
1: i think you've got to consider the you've got to consider the nature of the job as well it was an ai advocate job or something like that it was like ai champion or something like that yeah yeah I mean, definitely no one's yeah. going to be able to do that job if they don't have access to the internet and they don't yeah. have you chat Yeah, I think,
0: I think there was some consideration as to how relevant the assessment criteria was to the, um, uh, to, to, the, to the job itself. I think the bottom line is, is that, you know, we can take an absolutist stance when it comes down to um, uh, accessibility, um, uh, but fundamentally that kind of chafes against assessment um, and maybe even the idea of recruitment, which is, you know, to select people. If you're selecting one person, you're gonna deselect another. Um, uh, Like I say, the only way out of that kind of uh, uh, conundrum is to have an open hiring policy and say, look, if you turn up, uh, first first person turns up for the job, gets the job, um, which some companies do for certain roles, which I would also strongly advocate for. Uh, But anyway, if you want to get some inspiration on how to use uh, AI as an advert, check out the Loom video I've just shared. Um,
1: Companies definitely need to get more creative with how they're doing recruitment advertising. I mean, I was in my daughter, like, it was my kids, like, um what do you call it, like, parents' evening at school yesterday, went into my daughter's class, and on, on the classroom, <clears throat> loads of, like, A4 posters that the kids, like, six-year-olds have done, um, Rome needs you, and, like, a picture of a centurion, and, like, it's, you know, they, they're, they're studying all about Rome, and, again, we're not, we're not, we haven't evolved that much since then, you know? <laughs>
0: No, um, but I don't think that's that's necessarily a problem. You've got to you've got to tell people there's a vacancy, and then I think the creativity comes in how you de- distribute it, um, uh, and the distribution is where the creativity comes from. Even though at the end of the day, uh, you know, the, there's a number of things we could try that um, I'm looking forward to seeing. But um, but yeah, I, I, I'm 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 a little bit more generous, I would say. Um, uh, to the advertisers out there um, uh, but, uh, but yeah let, let me know folks if you've been creative in advertising let me know in the comments um, okay give us another one okay.
1: um, yeah I liked your poll um, what proportion of your TA team is likely to be freelance next year um, I find that really interesting 19% said more than 50% of our TA team is going to be freelance next year now there were 380 responses or something like that yeah, pretty good. But I wonder, I, I, I wonder if that is like one TA manager for a company, and they they're going to hire two freelancers, or they've got two freelancers who are doing like talent sourcing for them, or something like that. Obviously, that's more than fifty percent. So, um, I, 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 there was what eighteen percent was between twenty five and fifty percent. The spread was quite even, and I think you pointed out in your commentary that maybe that means. We don't really know what we're doing yet in in TA, but at a minimum, it's a talking point.
0: Yeah, I actually think it was a bad poll now that I look at it, um, because what I should have asked was, was, is your freelancer component of your TA team going to increase or decrease um, compared to last year? Um, And that was probably give people a little bit of a better idea as to, it's easier to answer rather than the calculating percentages of the um, the, the, the forecast. Um, so the, you know, it's a question I can ask the crowd now, like if you're working in a T.A. department, um, do you anticipate the freelancers stroke non-permanent contribution from other recruiters to be higher in 2024 than 2023? Let me know in the comments. Um, my guess was that probably yes. Um, And the reason why is uh, because I think we're massively understaffed in most TA departments uh, right now. We're going to roll into 2023 understaffed, I would say. Um, And when there is an acute need, um, I think there's a lot of floating labour out there that will drop in. Um, and so the easiest thing to do would be to just drop someone in and then work with them from there uh, and see whether uh, they're going to they're going to be great for this two month contract, which may then sort of extend to you know a permanent job or whatever. So I do believe that we're not going to just go charging and rebuilding internal uh, TA departments and with FTEs. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but I do think we're going to walk into 2024 under resourced. And then tap the the, the low hanging fruit. People don't mind me describing this, uh, but the people who are who are available right now, who are going to drop in, lots of talented people. And in fact, the two o'clock show um, uh, today is about the state of the recruited job market. We're going to be talking exactly about this point. Um, you know, the amount of people that are just so um, you know tremendously skilled and experienced that haven't actually found. Um, a home to date Um, and I think that that population may still exist um, in 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 some manner in 2024 and I I do believe um, that uh, they're going to convert into contracting freelancing in indie type of recruiting uh, which is what I did you know when I I first went in-house and I think it's going to be going to be going to be a a bigger component of uh, internal TA basically. Anyway let me know in the comments whether you think my projections are correct or not um i'll be interested in people's vibes on that okay cool give us one more man before we get into the meat of this
1: um before i do that i'd love to know andrea's just um said there's going to be massive changes with rpos in 2024 that's clear to all of us i think the same but i'd, I'd love to i'd love to just like andrea what do you mean um because yeah, yeah. i want to i want to know if what you're saying here in the comments is like what i'm thinking well, i'm I think- not i'm not saying you're the same age as my dad <laughs>
0: <laughs> Better mm. not be. No, uh, but I, I tell you what, it's, it's relevant Please. to our, our, our point when we're talking about career pathing for, for TA development, for uh, the, the TA department, because do we yeah. factor in the existence or the okay. likelihood that we will be working with our POs significantly or not? I mean, yeah. uh, that has, has some impact as to how we do our design of the, of, of our okay. internal processes. Um,
1: yeah, cool. Give us, uh, yeah. give us another one, mate. Right, um, so I, I, I enjoy almost everything from visual Capitalist. I, I wasn't quite sure how they got this information, but they seem to have aggregated the results from 500,000 plus surveys. They call them value graphics. I don't know, whether, I don't know how they've done that, but anyway. Um, what they've done is they've, they've gone and basically mapped out, here's what the values of people in the world are, here's what they, here's what they, they cherish. And the top five were family, relationships, financial security, belonging, and community. Um, Now, there were variances across countries, absolutely. The next five were personal growth, loyalty, hang on, religion, employment, religion or spirituality, employment, security, and personal responsibility. Now, what this has made me think is, we in employer branding, I think that that what we probably do is we try and represent from the inside out a lot more than we go and establish. What is it people in Halifax want? Or what is it people in Berlin want? Or what is it people in Zimbabwe want? And then look at, okay, number one, what is it we're already doing that is congruent with what people want, but also... What are the gaps and what is it we should be doing? So if family is, important, is the number one most important thing to the people we want to hire, what are we actually doing in our company to support that? And I just don't think we look out enough at what, I say we an employer brand, I haven't worked in employer brands since 2004, so I'm a little bit out of, out, out of date, but um, I, I, don't, I don't hear about companies like looking to mirror what people are looking for a little bit more um, and it's just more so about this is what we're all about. You've you, just, you think about No, you, you've
0: just caused me to think about something there like that because, um, so, by the way, this is a, a visual, um, a big one pager, but I, I think it's really interesting how they display it. Anybody who's read The Culture Map by Erin Meyer would love this uh, infographic. It's basically, I mean, the, the critique angle of this would be to say, look, this is all like cultural stereotyping, et cetera. We can accept that that's a valid critique. But at the same time, the information has been sourced from the people who live in those places and have just been surveyed to rank these values as to where they belong. Um, Now, what's interesting is a lot of these values are consistent. um, But how does that apply to us in recruiting? Um, You know, let's say, for instance, family is important. I think there's two tracks in which employers could respond to that. Um, Number one, you could provide, let's say, more flexible working, and then make sure that people are actually spending time with their families, that would be a big tick in the box. Uh, But another way in which people might interpret uh, how to use this would be to say oh we need to cultivate a sense of family within our company um and then ha- rep and simulate um a sort of family relationships within uh, a company because if that's what the people say they want then we can give them a facsimile of family within the group. And I think a lot of companies have historically done that angle also. Um, so there's two ways in which we could think about all of these values, uh, which is values, basically outside of work, what people kind of think are important. Um, I think it's a very good uh, culture building tool, very good for getting you thinking about. Um, your employer brand, um, but also you know to understand how you communicate uh, with your your, your employees. Um, you know if they if they say they care about X, um, then uh, you know does it not make sense for you to think about um, uh, 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 providing some sort of um, uh, investment in that area that they say they care about? Um,
1: I, I I've said this before on on this show many times that I believe that the most important aspect of HR is employer brand, and every other HR job and discipline should be aimed at enhancing the employer brand and making it better and better. And um, I, you know, lots of people could argue with different ways. The only, the only thing that challenges that, I guess, is law, sticking to the law and you know, making sure that nobody's in jail. Um, but other than that, I think employer brand is the absolute top of the tree. And I wonder how many employer branding teams have the ability to go into their organization and say, we need to change the way that that call center is like structured in terms of the layout of the you know, actual environment people are working in. We need to change the structure of that team because that person reporting to that person doesn't make any sense in terms of our employer brand. We need to, that person needs fired because they're creating toxicity in our business. You know, How much power do employer branding people have? Not very much because they report into talent acquisition, which then reports into, TA, into HR. This mm. is why I think the, the, the head of the head of the entire people function needs to have employer brand as the, one, the top thing. And that person needs to be able to go and make changes like that inside an organization. All power to employer branding.
0: Yeah, I, I think there's a decent argument there. Um, I, I mean, in some respects, employer branding is going to be the, 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 the function that helps you attract candidates. Um, and. Theoretically, more candidates should mean solving lots of recruitment problems, you know, I mean, how many recruitment problems fundamentally um, are about l- lack of candidates. So I think there's an argument to be said for that. Um, all right, let's get on with it um, because we've got the guests to bring on. Uh, today's topic is about how to create a framework for your TA department. Um, now this is actually inspired by a post I saw from um, uh, from Annie Jackson, who unfortunately couldn't join us today. She's been taken away. She texted me yesterday. She said she could make it. Um, but Annie, this show is basically based on one of your posts, which is to say, oh, um, we've created this TA leveling system within the, her business at Clio, which is basically um, a, a published um, uh, career path for people joining the company in the TA department. Um, and it just struck to me, look, you know what, that's kind of unusual because how many times have you seen a TA department that has explicitly got this, where, oh, I come in and I join as a recruiter level one, and then my pathway is to go level two, or maybe I go to the recruitment marketing or recruitment analytics on, on this parallel level, and then from there, maybe I go to data analytics or whatever it is. So um, how many of us have actually created a framework this way? How many of us want to do it? Um, and how do you get started? Uh, I think for bigger departments, it's typically exists uh, so there's a scaling issue as well so, so how big a department merits this um, and secondly what kind of jobs that we need to, to create um, you know, how do you create a career pathing system that makes sense that's not pandering. Um, you know, one of the things I wanted to explore, I guess, today is, um, you know, oftentimes you see the creation of artificial tiers um, just to give a sense of career progress, where in fact the job hasn't substantively changed. Um, the, you, you've you've got a, a new label at the front of your 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 job title, let's say, to give you a bit of an ego rub. Uh, maybe you've got a, a bit more in compensation but the job fundamentally is the same. And I'm thinking, okay, we ha- kind of have to avoid that because that just seems to me like just excess bureaucracy. Um, so let's have, uh, bring in our guests here uh, and see what they've got to say on it. Um, Adam, you want to say something? With yeah, one,
1: one, one quick thing. I think that this is a subset of the... Uh, another thing that I brought up on on Live a few times, which is I, I think that talent acquisition needs to have a responsibility for advising. I mean, this is a talent intelligence thing, I think. advising the the CEO and the CFO and the CPO around, not C3PO, around, um, um, around what the size and shape of the company and the teams need to be this time six months from now, one year from now, two years from now, three years from now, on the basis of what jobs are literally not going to need to get done by humans anymore, but what jobs are going to have to be created in order to, you know, achieve other um, goals?
0: All right. Uh, I, th- rem- I think
1: rem- no, no, no. TA.
0: Remind me of that exact point because that's the perfect way to try and end the show because we're going to kind of say, okay, how do you design a career pathing framework, TA, that's actually future-proof for AI? Um, because you can say like uh, how long is the time frame for it for instance look it's going to take you five years to get to the top okay great Five years the world looks completely different how does ta make sense um in that in, in have you future proofed it to take into account that maybe a lot of the functions that we'll be doing today are not going to be done by us or, or at least not by us uh without the assistance of ai uh in the future okay so let's bring on but today is a unique experiment guys because we're going to bring on not one but two andreas um and, and not only this but that they're also have unhelpfully um and not put their profile pictures on here so that there's two g- green labeled andreas they're going to come on and hopefully we will we'll know how to make sense um okay um bring them both many, are, they, are they how come you can see them and i can't um no i'm saying
1: bring them both on
0: I, i'm doing that um so andreas you've been invited um oh there she is Hi. oh andrea have i have i told you i really like your new hair
2: Thank you, appreciate it. Nothing better than to start this with a compliment. Keep it going, Hang.
0: Yes, it looks really, it suits you really well. Um, okay, so Andrea, what the heck is that? Is that me? Oh my god, who's making that horrible noise?
1: It's not me.
0: Um, does anyone else see this?
1: It's Andrea, DJ,
0: probably. I don't know. It's horrible. We've got to stop. Is it me?
2: Let me go out and try again. I hope it's not me.
0: Okay, someone's got to go. Adam, maybe you? Andrea, maybe you? I'm trying to remove you. Yeah, it's Andrea Marston.
1: <laughs> That's because she's kitted out like Calvin Harris behind there.
0: That's. Um, guys, really sorry. We've lost one, we've lost one listener um (laughs) someone's bailed out on us um because of the horror of that it's andrea marston so andrea i know you can hear us i've just booted you out but whatever that noise is uh, try and like recorrect that um and we'll bring you back in but whilst we're getting andrea back on why don't we say hello to andrea lungulescu Andrea, why don't you introduce yourself real quick who are you what it is you do
2: let me take this off (laughs) thank you um yes i'm andrea that's the way to differentiate between the two of us and, and I'm a principal talent partner. I'm based off in Berlin with Wayfair. I've been in TA for over 13 years plus. I'm primarily technology, but not only. And recently I have the badge of a founder um, because I founded together with my colleagues, the TA Crunch, which is the community for talent acquisition professionals in Berlin, yes. Um, really passionate about um, the role that I have as a principal. So I'm a bit on a mission to share with the world the importance of the role. So I hope this is a good platform for that. Let's see.
0: No, absolutely. And the reason why you're here is because I wanted to explore this non-managerial career track 48 because traditionally anybody who wanted to go up in careers just had to elevate it into management and often unsuitably and that was that that for me is part of the problem of not doing career pathing properly um because you, you, you're running out of options in order to retain someone you just put them up into a, some sort of managerial tier and actually they may not want that and they may not be competent at doing it and all the rest of it um okay we're going to bring on uh, the other Andrea not to say uh, there's ever such a thing as an, another Andrea this is the um unique and uh and special andrea um there's
1: an an andrea and there's
0: an andrea andrea
1: right two different names here
0: yes um so andrea marston i've just invited you back in let's click on and let's hope we uh we do not like disturb the neighborhood dogs again with the uh very unique sound um (laughs) <laughs> never heard of you before. Um, but it was Chloe quite
1: Morrison said
3: anxiety. Oh, no.
0: <laughs> Dele, Andrea. We have to do something. We, ha- we have to do something. Let me mute Andrea, because I think we've got to gotta do that. Okay, so, Andrea, you're muted. Um, so, that's okay. I'm sorry. Um, you look marvelous, by the way. Um, uh, but the sound is no, no bueno. So, I wonder whether it might be just a case of unplugging a few things and... You know, if there's a mic that you're using, get rid of that, or if there's a you know, what, what not. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that will help. Yeah. Let me know when you fixed it and I'll get you back off uh, the mute thing. Okay, let's talk to you, Andrea Lungolescu first. Um, create passing framework. Have you got any experience of this? Um, either designing it or being part of an organization that's gone through the design of such a framework? Uh yes, no. If no, um, that's fine, but how would you do it if uh, uh, from the from the contacts that you've uh you've uh, you have you have interacted with?
2: Um, yes, but funny enough, not for talent acquisition. I think uh, during my time in Zalando there was repassing, but it was for product management. So, it's, it's, I think it would be quite similar. However, I would not want to use that example. I would just like to focus on talent acquisition. And while I have not been part of the design of it, definitely when I reached the proverbial glass ceiling with Zalando basically they had nothing more to do with me. Um, on, a, on an IC track, and I was adamant about not going on the management track, the only option that they found at the time was to shift me to executive. And that was not really something that I was extremely passionate about. But I thought, yeah, that could be an option. It was the only other option to allow me to grow vertically without pushing me into, um, into management. So what we observed then was that our leader at the time considered um, let's say, deploying a completely new type of role, which was called like a SWOT uh, type of position. It never came to fruition. We pretended we had it for a little while, but it never came to fruition. So, um, sadly, it still went round and round in in circles. So, I observed it then that still the growth went from, okay, you're a senior, senior recruiter. The next step is for you to go into executive. So, that was one experience I had where it didn't really lead too much. Shifting away from that to Wayfair, which is an American organization, in the US, the idea of a principal is much more embedded than I've observed, uh, I observe it being in Europe. And it already existed, right? So the role already existed, you were not kept anymore to, to sit at the senior, senior recruiter and then what? You had the option, you can go into a principal um, opportunity. And even here, interesting enough, I've been partially uh, involved in designing the senior principal because even there, you might reach a point in time where you're, okay, what do we do with this very senior IC person? What can we give them um, higher up? And the inspiration for this comes from tech, from primarily engineering, because in engineering, you have a principal engineer, you will have a senior principal, and you will have executive principals. So, the argument was how can we look at these two tracks and what can we learn from engineering that we can transfer over to talent acquisition? Um, These are the experiences I've been exposed to, um, let's say, um, head on. And I'm still yet to see a company developing uh, these tracks beyond, even if they have a principle, but maybe beyond that. What do you do after that? Because you have manager, senior manager, head, etc., But what do you do with your ICs?
1: I feel like we need to be learning and applying as much as possible from engineering. And so there's uh, the, things like recruiter operations and recruiter enablement, things like that, are all things that are absolutely you know, way ahead in teams like engineering. And um, I, I'm not sure there's a limit to how we should be structuring our talent acquisition uh, teams with inspiration from engineering.
0: Well, hang on on this.
1: So, what what
0: are the differences in this case? So, so there's people watching this saying, "All oh, right, that's all well and good, but what is the what is a a principal engineer compared to a senior engineer? um What is what is the difference between a principal recruiter and a and a, a senior recruiter? Are they just labels to help placate? You know." individuals that are upset because they haven't had career progression i wasn't shaking their heads but all right explain it to me then um andrea marston i'm gonna bring you in and i think let's take i think you're gonna be okay um let's just do that uh, we rest... oh no andrea we can't do it I, I i don't know what to do here um you it might be a case of you logging back in maybe on a different yes yeah, um,
1: a, so Andrea, a let's,
0: go, let's, go with, let's go with you um, on this. Um, how would you define the difference? Like when you first encountered this uh, difference between an engineer, a principal engineer, uh, as sorry, a principal could be engineer and a senior, how was that explained to you as, 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 a, as a distinguishing thing?
2: If the question is for engineering um, and not talent acquisition, I will go back to my experience at Zalando where I worked with seniors, principals, senior principals, and executive principals. So you literally see all the ranks and the difference. Um, Probably the the most um, impressive thing I've observed is the level of influence they have uh, or where their influence kind of takes place. Um, We are talking about C-level influence, C-level involvement for the executive principals, and then as you go down, you come closer to the team level. So if we just talk about engineering, um, probably the simplest description I could give you is, a senior engineer is somebody who is part, still part of a team and their influence, meaning mentoring, meaning the things that they develop, the things that they put through, they deploy, the things that they do, the community they operate in, is team level and maybe department level. Then a principal, for sure, it will be department level. And we are talking about influencing um, 50 plus, two hundred plus people, right? Meaning that they will get their hands involved in what every other team does, and they will build a cohesive, maybe an overarching kind of, let's say you, you use the term architecture or framework for all the teams to be able to utilize. And then as you go higher up, I won't go maybe necessarily too much more in detail. And this is easily transferable to principal recruiters. Um, this is my role. I'm more than happy to, to brag about it. Um, But it is that kind of level of influence, where do you influence, how much do you touch in your day-to-day job, right? How wide is your scope um, on on a horizontal level and then how high do you go on a vertical level with your connection? Where do you operate? Do you operate sea level, just under sea level? Where do you sit in, in that?
0: Please. all right so I, I so what we can say uh, with this this clear track of individual so no, non manager no managerial responsibility but the label basically applies to where you interact with the um, uh, uh, with the, the department so if you can imagine a department as one per column and then you have the uh, principal and executive principal, senior principal, those kinds of things on a, a different column that's next to it. And it applies, you know, the, the relationship maps horizontally across those pieces. And to give some understanding, I think all the tech recruiters here probably would understand um, a little bit about this in the sense that, you know, if if you have someone who is designing a framework, Um, that they want their engineers to work on or best practices in terms of how to deploy software, that person probably doesn't have to be nested within the team producing the software they may be someone who is outside of the team and then producing the best practices and being the person that kind of tunes everybody uh, to become more efficient um, so I can absolutely imagine that it's almost like having a formalization of someone who's a, as a mentor um, whereby the role is just always to provide uh these tools and frameworks for other operators to actually do the delivery um so th- does this mean that if you're doing this type of work that you're finished with recruiting like do you not actually speak to candidates um and which is fine because I, I would imagine maybe you would would one day actually not do this um or do you still get involved somehow um and if so how do those two things you know interact um you know how do are those th- two things in tension
2: somewhat hmm I'll respond this from a recruitment standpoint, not a principal engineer standpoint. And you are correct, right, in, in relation to, to building this framework. However, I wanted to add something to what you just said. Bringing somebody from the outside to build something that was maybe previously designed in this space over here, um, that is possible for sure. However, imagine that the principal or maybe even a senior one would have their hands in these things so that they understand what they're building for. And to go back to your question in relation to um, being still hands-on, yes, um, as a principal, you still are, or at least in my case, I'm still very much hands-on. I would split my role into 30-30-30, if you want, percentage-wise. So recruitment, operational, everything you can imagine that entails recruitment, from sourcing to managing candidates through the pipeline, all of that. Then you have process development, process deployment, innovation, this is another 30. And then another 30, you have project management, but large scale projects that get, once they get delivered, they impact tens, hundreds of people. They impact the entire talent acquisition department. So not just the one, let's say you have a tech TA team. No, it goes beyond that. It goes global or it goes wider than that. And a lot of um, upskilling. So as a principle, you always act as a multiplier. So that's why I said you have your hands in different pies so that you understand How am I going to build uh, a tray to carry all these pies? If I don't understand the shape and how they look like and how they wobble, I can't build a tray to carry them around. So you need to have your hands in multiple things to be able to um, support the various functions.
0: I, I, I also like the idea that it's a, a the project management role also um, because there's how many projects are out there that are, li- are given to someone to do. But if you're operationally maxed out, it's extremely difficult um, to implement something or to test out a tool or to do whatever it might be, um, because you're busy with business as usual. So maybe a lot of the uh, business not as usual projects can kind of go to this group as well. Um, Okay, let's bring on Andrea Marston. I think this is going to be okay. I've got, like, strong confidence. Send me good vibes, guy. everybody. Um, let's go. Fingers crossed. Um, I want to talk also about the scale of this because, obviously, it's not suitable. The principal concept is not suitable for a certain SCAR, a, a size of uh, of TA team. Um, but also, maybe career packing may not be suitable either. We've literally taken Andrea to a different part of the world um, in order to... Um, in order to, to, to get to get on, but i think we're okay
3: andrea um can you hear us okay yeah i can hear you fine I'm, am i i'm now in a room where there is literally no technology <laughs> so. amazing um i don't know what
0: that was but it was like it must have been something that was really interfering with um yeah. with i don't know it was it, it seemed like an alarming thing that caused you know uh, uh, people to take action, like leave the room or something, you know. So uh, anyway, wonderful to see you, Andrea. Um, let's do some intros to you. Um, uh, who are you? What it is you do?
3: Um, well, I clearly torture people, including dogs, on a regular basis in my special special room. But other, other than that, um, I'm a global TA leader at VMware, VMware being a software company. Um, we're about 38,000 people globally. Um, I'm based in London. That's the lovely London weather you can see behind me. And I, um, I've i been working in TA now for about 20 odd years and work for a number of different tech companies um, in TA. So um, I've seen some quite different sized functions and, and different ways of doing TA. Um, I don't think one size fits all. So career pathing is a really interesting thing for me because we've i've looked at different ways of trying to make this work and you know i've been in TA for a long time so clearly there is a career path so
0: okay let's, let's talk about the different ways in which this can work what do you mean by that um i mean what styles of career pathing have you encountered uh, in in your career so far Andre?
3: yeah well We've actually been through this massive transformation in VMware, so, you know, large TA team and working out how do we career path this? Because, you know, other organizations where we've not had a sourcing team or we've had limited number of coordinators and that sort of thing. So I've seen it work differently. When we tried to redesign it in VMware a couple of years ago without actually, you know, taking the wheels off the bus and keep going as well, We took everything back to scratch and said, right, if we were redesigning this from scratch, what does a recruiter look like? A sourcer, a coordinator, all the other pieces. How do we actually make all this work so it fits the business? But also critically, what do we how do we design it so that everyone is more empowered and enjoying their role and they're not doing work that makes them Upset or just bored or something they can't really do and play to their strengths. So it's about putting the right work with the right people. Um, I don't think it's immediately perfect, but I do think we got things into a much better place than than they were. And I think it's an ongoing exercise. You know, as we see more and more of AI coming in, we know that there's going to be that the roles are going to be coming more and more human and less computational.
0: Yeah, very interesting. Tell me about the size and scale prior to this implementation, Andrea. How many people were we talking about when you came to the realization that actually we haven't got the right shape or size of of department to deal with this company? Um, And uh, yeah, give us give us the landscape before before you you made the change.
3: Yeah, so we had about 400 people in TA. And we were struggling you know we had the recloads were too high there were a number of things that just weren't working and the answer wasn't just to bring in more ta people it was okay how can we better utilize this so our coordinators are more effective doing the work that they do and they're more empowered and they're also learning some of the skills they're going to need to become recruiters or sources of the future also how do we make our recruiters a little bit better at um, the state They were really strong at stakeholder management, but they were spending a lot of time doing relatively junior work that our coordinators were perfectly capable of dealing with. So, for example, things like, OK, the job code is wrong in our ATS. So a recruiter was having to do that, taking away time from actually doing um, working with their stakeholders to doing what is effectively an admin task our coordinators should be able to do, but hadn't been taught on the system.
0: Yeah. okay, so a huge rationalization of the activities, everyone's job's yep. gonna change, it's gonna shuffle through. Um, how, how, do you, how do you get to that point where you, you start to talk to the, 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 the department to get the information? I mean, is this a survey, is this like a town hall? How, how does it all work?
3: Yeah, we started with a survey, you know, basically, what do you love about your job? What would, you, what would you take out of your job? And we got some very consistent feedback across different things. And then we had a, we had a, a team that was sitting and looking at each role and working out, well, how, what does this look like? And how do we structure it? And if we can think about career paths, what would they look like? How do we bring in someone that's got very little sourcing skill into a junior sourcing role and really focusing on um, sourcing from our CRM as opposed to sourcing externally? learning their sourcing skills learning um more about how to attract candidates and then um and how would that grow into an external sourcing role for example um so it was all about each team working out what does this actually look like if you could redesign this from scratch what does it look like for vmware today that's also going to be looking good in two years time and then not sitting back and saying right we've done it now it's always been keep growing at it, you know, keep looking at, well, what is this working? Where are the swim line, lanes? Do we Did what we think was going to work not actually playing out in purpose? How do we keep changing that and continuously improve? So I think that mindset of being in continuous improvement, rather than like, it's now done and we can leave it alone for three years, is a really dated model that we all need to get rid of. Hong, I, mean,
2: I want to I interject on something because that's something so valuable Andrea just mentioned. And I think we did something, but the, the level just after that, um, I think this might add value to some individuals who might have career um, paths already designed in the organization. So it is this continuation. One thing that we've done, uh, with quite a recent exercise when I was explaining we were trying to develop this senior principal kind of role. We actually um, did focus groups with Uh, one, the senior recruiters, and two, the principals, to understand direct examples of their day-to-day work. Because it's one thing that you have in your career description internally, and actually it may differ from what people actually do. So we gathered so much data, and then based on that, we went and we calibrated again. So these calibration exercises that Andrea just mentioned are absolutely essential, because our jobs evolve and they are dynamic, So what you've done six months ago, especially today, what you've done six months ago will probably not fit. So we need to constantly keep at it um, and adjust.
0: Uh, so you've got exactly that feedback loop back into the, the the thinking and the redesign and you keep doing it until you get a kind of an understanding that maybe you have got it right with regards to what people are aligning the the, 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 the the sentiment of the workers with the, with the the skills of the workers. That's what we're looking for. Folks, isn't that a fascinating thing to try and experiment with? Let's imagine, I don't know what size and scale makes sense for, for you to try this, but let's say there is 100 people or 500 people in the department. If you could survey, survey them all and say, what are your things you enjoy most? What are the things you're best at? What are the things you hate most? And what are the things you're not very good at? And you, you just like listed them all. Um, and then from there, you could probably start to see a pattern as to who is actually particularly interested or uh, good at this particular function um, and how you might redeploy skills or how you even redesign the job uh, so that you kind of reduce the amounts of work that people are not good at don't want to do and move them to to work that people are good at and do want to do. And let's not forget, folks, that this is not an objective thing. Um, There's people out there that hate the idea of sourcing. Um, You know, uh, uh, sourcing might be the worst thing in the world, they don't want to get involved with it. Other people, that's what they want to do. They they have no interest in other aspects of the job. So, um, but unfortunately, uh, recruitment can sometimes be overly broad and we end up just having to do everything, um, everything kind of poorly. And then, as you say, Andrea, solution is just to hire more recruiters in when you're busier and there's everyone doing everything probably at some point that's untenable. Let's talk about size though. At what point does it make sense to formalize this? Um, Andrea L, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I mean is there a department that's too small to think about designing a a formal framework? Uh, Where would you say it's actually necessary to do?
2: Well you hit the nerve on that one with me. I actually did interviews with leaders in TA, Um, I think we spoke about it a while ago, trying to figure this thing out because I would argue You should have a principle, but that's extremely selfish of me. uh, The findings from these interviews I've done uh, are as follows. Um, Smaller organization and think up to maybe 500, even to 1,000 people, dependent if their talent acquisition department is evolved enough. Imagine you have maybe 10, 15 people in in your TA department. If that is, for example, ingested in your overall HR department, it probably doesn't make sense for you to have someone on a principal level. However, one thing that stood out for me was some people would say, if, in the, if talent acquisition is ingested in HR and we have people leaders in HR, can they take care of the people aspect of talent acquisition? And you don't need a head of TA, but you can have a principal in TA and they take care of all the strategic topics, deployment of uh, tooling, implementations, you name it. They just don't do the people topic. So this was a nice thing uh, that came out from, from these conversations I had. Um, again, does it often make sense? Potentially not. So if we're going, but I'm really curious of Andrea's um, point of view on this one. If you're going maybe 15 to 20 people in TA split between tech and non-tech, probably not uh, if you need people to be um, functionally and operationally managed if you find this leadership elsewhere in your HR department then I would say bring someone who can oper- um, put operations in place and excellence in place and have the leadership handled by somebody else so um, I think it's quite a gray area I know I gave you a very wobbly answer
0: yeah I'm looking for numbers here you know like how big uh, <laughs> that's <all> right, <laughs> I mean,
2: maybe 20, I mean, maybe I mean, 20.
0: I don't know. Uh, what are your thoughts, um, how, uh, folks? You let me know in the in the, in the audience here. Um, in your experience, at what point does it make sense to have a formalized kind of career structure, career hierarchy, um, whereby you know there's clear definitions and there's a pathway in which you can navigate? Um, I've only ever worked in like more or less one man band, so I don't even know. Um, but you do let me know what we're looking at here, Adam. You've just redirected the camera. Is there an attractive person that we need to observe in the gym? Um, don't know. Um, all no. right. don't, is, that-
1: is, it, is it like Comic relief day or something? Because there's people getting cream pies in their face. Right really? There. Okay. Why right do you point-
0: yeah, let's, yeah. let's point the camera there. Put a mute off and let's have a look-see. Um, oh, it's someone's birthday. Um, or maybe this is some sort of... Sa- maybe this is some sort of satanic ritual. Um, we don't know. Um, okay. Um, Let's get back to, actually, no, we have to do one thing before we go. Um, Folks, we um, always do this in the middle of every show. We cannot ever forget to do it um uh we are having to come off air in about 10 minutes or so um so this conversation has barely got started um and we're obviously gonna have to re uh, redo a part two on it um but if you are interested in this topic and you want to interact with people that care about how to create frameworks for the ta department uh now is a good time to go and connect with everyone else who is partaking in this conversation uh so take a moment grab your linkedin url and share into the chat stream on crowdcast and then make sure you connect with everyone else who's done the same. Um, I will say, if you're watching this on LinkedIn, and I think you, lots of people seem to be watching on Andrea's LinkedIn, certainly on mine as well, uh, do the same. Grab your LinkedIn URL, stick it in the comments, and then just connect with people that are doing it. Uh, remember, LinkedIn kind of don't want you to expand your network because um, uh, they want you to basically upgrade. Um, however, this is one way where we can get around that. So make sure you take use of it, make use of uh, sort of this feature. Uh, the people who are on this show are going to be happy to connect with you there won't be any spam responses or block responses from the people you see here uh, so go ahead and connect away all right cool andrea m uh sizing like at what point does it make sense in your uh, analysis let's say you you're now a consultant right um on career mapping, mm-hmm. um and companies as founders come to you, yeah let's design this at what point does it make sense in terms of size of ta department
3: I think you're probably going to hate my answer but I would argue even if you are one person in a TA in a startup you're the only TA person you should always be looking at how can I elevate my role and what can I carry, what can I be doing now that's going to mean that I will have to bring in someone that's going to be more junior than me and if everyone had that mindset and was trying to elevate their role to the next level becoming a little bit more strategic making it broader, thinking about it in a more HR style rather than a recruitment agency style I think we'd have had we'll have TA a lot further forward than we are currently so yeah actually one person is where I would start it but if you're thinking about bringing someone in it's like, well what could they do that actually I don't like doing you know how could I bring in someone that's really never worked in TA before teach them some basics and how am I going to help grow them so Whatever size department you are, you should be looking at how do you grow those people below you, even if you're not their direct manager. Yeah,
0: very good. And, and also, by the way, if we're able to create a structure where we'll end up kind of opening up the opportunities to different types of people to enter the, the industry. Um, because if we stayed, if you like, the classic monolithic agency style, which is basically full service recruiter loads of full service recruiters then someone who might be a team lead and then a, a manager of a bunch of people then a departmental head but everyone is fundamentally still doing the same thing classic structure i think most people are probably in that um then the individuals you're recruiting into that also need to do this a like, very wide variety of topics um and, and it may not it may not be that easy to do so if you're able to breakout specialisms um, that you think are suitable. um, At an early stage, you can get different types of people in, different types of mental profiles, different types of behaviors, uh, which ultimately would lead to a a kind of a more uh, flexible function um, that you could deploy in different ways and and different needs. Um, Okay, guys, we're running out of time real quick. So let's talk about the AI proofing of this future uh, TA department. Um, one of the things that we need to do, like it seems to me, let's create this like structure, and it, it'll take time for someone to progress through this structure. I right? just imagine if you're a junior person go through. What if the world changes so dramatically um, that that the structure doesn't even make sense anymore uh, in this AI-enabled future of ours, which may actually start knocking out various functions that previously we thought were caught in the TA department and are elevating other functions that perhaps we, we don't even think about right now. How can we, uh, have we thought about sort of where technology is already and the direction of travel and how that influenced the future shape of the, uh, the recruited job? Any thoughts on this? Adam, I want to go with you actually because you started uh, this idea. So do you have any thoughts to share on this, um, you know, AI proofing the, the TA function?
1: Yeah, I'm going to do it really, really briefly because there's absolute hilarity to my left. Um, but I think that it's really important just to look at, look, what ask the team, what are the jobs that you're doing that are repetitive? What are the jobs that you're doing that actually um, you know, OpenAI or something else could be doing for you? What is it you're using that's helping you to do their jobs? Give them as much access as possible to tools and things to help them. I'm not saying, like, get them to kind of hang themselves. I'm saying, um, Get establish, establish what, are the, um, what are all the things that just, we, we don't need to be doing anymore. As this, is, this is a very simple example, and this is going back to something Andrea said earlier, which is that a- Andrea found an advert, or she's got an advert that she put in the newspaper. When we put those adverts in the newspaper, I will shut up in a minute, when we put those adverts in the newspaper, we used to have to write on an A4 piece of paper and fax it to the newspaper who would then type it out and hopefully they got your phone number right. Um, I mean, we don't need to do that, of course, anymore. There's different things that we can do. So I think we just need to constantly evaluate what is it that we should be doing. And I think the job of a recruiter becomes progressively more a tech manager and a, um, a data analyst. And, and, all right, all
0: right, stop, stop. We have to see what's going on. Turn the camera around um, and then mute, mute yourself. Um, okay, let me just expand this. What's going on? Um, it's children, it's children is, in need. It's children in need. Is it children in need? I, I I, just want to see some people with a pie in their faces. Is that them?
3: Wow. Yeah.
0: That's them. These people have not consented to be on Brain Food Live, by the way. But never mind. Um, OK, um, let's um, let's uh, how do we unfold this? OK, great. Um, I'll tell you what, folks, if you're interested in this, I've actually done a little bit of research on like TA skills in terms of their level of exposure to AI or whatnot. This is not my work. Literally, I've asked AI to do this and they produced a list. Uh, so it's on my website. I'll share it to the group in a minute. Uh, but basically 100 a recruiter, essential recruiter skills. And then I've basically asked ChatGBT to force rank them one to 100 in terms of what is most exposed and least exposed, to give you a bit of an idea as to how AI feels, how confident AI is, that they're able to disable, uh, sort of disintermediate some of these functions. So take a look at it, maybe that will give you a little bit of a a substrate to think about uh, future proofing the department. um, Because this career pathing structure that we currently have is inhabited by human beings, but we presumably need to think in future, there may be AI kind of nodes on this, um, because it may well be that that's the most suitable uh, a thing to perform that particular task. Classic example would be things like, used to be ad distribution, someone used to be, have to post jobs in every job board and manage all of that stuff, of course, multi-posting resolved that and it's gone as a function. Um, Some of things will happen in what we're doing here. So how have a think about it, use the resource. Okay, going to Andrea Marston on this. Um, what are your thoughts? How do we AI enable uh, sort of, or how do we design a career path framework that's uh, future-proofed on um, the AI-enabled uh, world?
3: Yeah, so it's, um, as you're saying, it's taking away all the repetitive tasks and it's focusing on the nuanced and the human elements. So a good example is, you know, we get all this great data from wherever, from, you know, LinkedIn or whatever type of tools we're using. And it is the ability to be able to take that data and drive a conversation and drive the behavior change that you need based on the data, rather than just saying, hi, we can show you there's 60 engineers in X market and they've got these kind of skills. That's not useful information. And if people can start to interpret the data, it's the human element. What does this actually mean? And what is your advice as opposed to what ChatGPT GPT or any AI can actually come up with? And if yeah, there's okay. time, I will show you a print advert.
0: Uh, there's always time for a print advert. Uh, a lot of people out here, young pups, will have no idea what it, a print advert even is. Um, so please no. do, go on and
3: let's have a look. look. Okay, so I've just had these next to me, right? So you can see, this is an advert, you might recognize the brand, for a technical brand manager. I don't know if that's coming in. Is that going in back to front? It probably is, not No, no, no.
0: We, we can read it. We can read it.
3: Okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah, so that was one of them. Okay. Just to give you an idea. These are display adverts. And then here you go. Here's another one.
0: Wow. And the
3: idea, the idea is, you know, it was basically making you, you had to read it to understand what it was about. And I love this sort of stuff now. We don't do anything no like that.
0: No worries. Adam, Adam is about to get points. like a... a a cream pie in his face, um, which unfortunately he's not prepared to uh, humiliate himself on camera to see, but he's gone. Okay, great. Listen, we have to come to the end of the show. So thank you very much, everybody. Um, wonderful to, uh, to have this conversation. I'm so sorry for the, the, the noise disturbances and what have you. Uh, thank you so much for everyone for persevering all the way through. Um, it's been a great conversation, but I think there's so much more to talk about here um, because. There's a couple of reasons why this is significant. Um, firstly, we haven't even talked about sort of why it's important from an employer branding point of view. Um, for if you're hiring for TA people, you're hiring for people of this type. How you've got internal sort of a structure of your frame of your career pathing path has got to be a significant component uh, to how attractive the job is. Um, and I, w- I do want to continue to explore a bit more um, the this, this AI side because I think using the idea of a career framework might help us. Uh, sort of focus our attention on what parts of the job we should be pushing ourselves toward and maybe other parts of the job we should aggressively apply technology to um, because we can see sort of where the lay of the land is and career pathing I think can help us with that because if we're just trying to do everything in one go uh, as most recruiters are, are we, we're, we're going to be lost in the weeds for all of the effort that we have, so anyway, listen, um, thank you to Andrea Marston for your perseverance and moving around the house to come and join us. Thank you for to Andrea. Uh, this is i on following um Adam's instruction. Andrea you for joining us and sharing us your um uh wisdom on the principal end, uh, the principal uh pathway uh for a recruiter. Um let me leave you go guys. Great to see you. Um we'll see you by the way, we're back in about an hour's time. So if you're interested in joining the show, which is kind of a follow up on this state of the recruiter job market, what does all that look like? Um, stay. We'll say stay on the channel, but come back after lunch. Uh, we'll be back at 2 p.m. Uh, UK time.
3: Uh, we'll see you shortly, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Wow. Well, what a what a crazy business. Spring Food Live is. Um. So.
0: Uh, so yes. Uh, thanks everybody uh, for watching. Um. We'll be back at 2 p.m. So one hour break. Have some lunch um and uh, follow the channel if you want to get notified
3: when we're next uh back up